Travel Growth Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Travel Growth Podcast. I'm Tom McLaughlin, founder of SEO Travel, and this is where I speak to successful travel business leaders and dig into their successes, challenges and learnings from their experiences over the years. So you, the listener, can take away actionable advice to enhance your own businesses and maybe even lives too. My guest today is Ben Simpson. Ben is the co-founder of Easel, an e-commerce platform specially designed for selling experiences and made specifically for experience creators. After university, Ben helped to build an events business in the UK from a bedroom startup to a thousand events a year with half a million people attending and employing more than a thousand people across the UK. He then sold that business and worked at an ad agency before founding Rise Festival, a winter music and snow sports festival in France, which he continues to be a partner in and which doubled in size over the first three years since they launched. Alongside that, he ran various travel and adventure orientated events, running parties in unique places like the Sahara Desert and on a Swedish archipelago before setting up Easel, which he now runs with his wife, Lisa. We cover all sorts in our conversation from marketing and branding to the experience of going through Y Combinator in Silicon Valley and working with other investors. Ben gives some great insight into the hiring process and how they've built a team that are all bought into the project and the lofty goals that they've set for the business and more recently their foundation too. Ben is a learning machine, that's clear, and he's picked up so much knowledge through his experiences that he kindly shares here. And I've no doubt that anyone who listens to this episode will have pages and pages of notes afterwards. So get your pen ready. Here's me talking to Ben Simpson. Ben, hello, welcome to the show. Great to be great to be here, Tom. Yeah, good stuff. Look, looking forward to talking to you. You've got a, a bit of a different journey uh, and background to a lot of the people that we've talked to on the show so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into sort of, you know, a slightly different side of things with you. Um, and yeah, hopefully uncovering some, some tips and advice that, um, you know, that other people listening can, can find really helpful. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Amazing. Excited, excited to share. Good. Um, so to start, I thought we could maybe look into your like personal skill set to begin with. So um, we'll get into the journey of how you've come to, you know, come to grow so and things like that. But just tell us a little bit more about you and your background, what you do, what your expertise is, that, that side of things. Sure, sure thing. So I think I, um, we're uniquely, pla- we're, we're pretty, we're pretty uniquely placed to solve the, to, to solve the, the problem that we're working on at, at Easel. I, I grew up, uh, grew up fascinated by technology, fascinated by technology, um, spent way too many hours in the IT room at, in the IT room at school, but on a, on a weekend grew up with a, a dad who was an outdoor adventure guide who took me on far too many adventures, which were totally age inappropriate. So stuck ice climbing in the pitch black because we had missed timings. And I think the combination of these two things took, me on a kind of exciting on it on an exciting journey but essentially grew up obsessed with computers um went off to university and studied and studied e-commerce e-commerce and then whilst at university discovered uh discovered putting on parties and throwing events and that started 
very small group being uh, the largest events company in the UK. But through that journey, learned a hell of a lot about mar- about marketing, hustling, selling. Um, and uh, I think it's probably those, those, those skills come, to, come together now. Yeah, okay, nice. It, so with that startup initially, was that something was that something you started up or was that you going into something that pre, pre-existed? We're, 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 there's, there's clearly a very uh, entrepreneurial thread that we'll go through. Was, was, was that something you actually started or was that, yeah, was that kind of under someone else's thing? It was someone else's. It was someone else's thing. So really good friends of mine, Matt and Je- Matt and Jeremy. Um, so Matt started the business in Manchester. Jeremy started the business in Leeds, and that was probably a year or two before I landed in in Leeds. And then we um, we met really early in their journey, and I became a partner quite early in the in the journey, and became managing director a couple of year a couple of years in as we went through the growth as we went through the the big growth the big growth period. What what kind of events was it, Ben? What tell us a bit more about that business? What stuff are you doing? Well, when we when we when we when we when we when we started the business, there was only one type of student, only one type of student event. They were they were big big commercial. Um, the the music was typically pretty. The music was pretty terrible. And we wanted to put something on that were that was something we genuinely wanted to go to, and we started throwing we started throwing parties in really credible uh, really credible venues. So we worked with people like Sankey's in Manchester, Mission in Leeds, uh, Fabric it, Fabric in in London. So some of the most credible venues in the UK, and booped amazing talent and put on um, put on events that we genuinely wanted to 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 go to ourselves. And that grew to we were running around a thousand events a year, and over over one and a half million people a year attended our events every, um, in the U, in the UK. So it, it went from yeah, um, very much bedroom startup to um, a, a bit of a beast. Yeah, wow. And what was behind the growth? Was there anything in particular that made it flourish so 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 quick, so quickly and so well? I think I think fundamentally we were giving people a like events that they loved and that they were really pa- and that were really passionate and that were really passionate about and we learned a lot from that about how we that now build product for product and what we do at e- and what we do at easel but fundamentally the product was good um, and we were very passionate about delivering a great product and we never compromised and we never compromised on that and then we were very efficient in how we marketed we was we were very we were very grassroots um, we got into every we got into every city and we employed over a thousand people across the UK on a part-time basis who helped us promote the events and the infrastructure that we built in order to do that was all tech enabled which uh, which really drove the, the the success of the market and promotions yeah okay and and so from that did you did you sell that as from what I've read you, you sold that and then went on to start rise yourself after after that is that yeah we had a pretty amazing uh, journey so we the the business grew and we were employing a thousand young people a few million people were attending the events and we started working with brands um helping them to understand young people so we were working with people like nokia converse mcdonald's um and that led to us selling the business to chime plc and going to work at vccp the ad agency uh for for a few years 
Um, and whilst that whilst there, uh, a a friend Mike was uh, running a company called Abitha Rocks at the time. I was uh, one of the one of the board members at Abitha Rocks, and Mike was looking at opening a new hotel in a town called Desalp. And he said, "You should really come and have a look at this hotel with me. Um, we could maybe do something there." So I went out on a weekend to Desalp with Mike skiing. Um, very long story short. Mike didn't buy the hotel, didn't open the hotel. We did end up running a festival in in Desalp, um, and that was how Ra that was how Rise was um, conceived. We we landed in the resort, and it was It was an incredible resort. It it had so much to it had so much to offer, and there wasn't a winter music snow sports festival that really tailored for the audience that we knew that we knew that we knew best. So we launched in two thousand and and fourteen. Terrifying, um, a terrifying year actually. We um, we were aiming to launch by the March of two thousand and fourteen, with the first event happening in the December. In the December, for a combination of reasons, mainly around us getting the uh, learning our way around the French uh, licensing system, we weren't able to launch the event until the September. But we were already completely committed. We put down deposits on accommodation. We'd booked talent, so we had twelve weeks to sell, um, to launch, market, sell, um, sell the festival. So yeah, it was looking back, looking back, a lot of fun at the time. A little scary, a little scary, <laughs> but the first year was an amazing, uh, amazing success. Yeah, wow. How many, how many people did you have going to that then when you launched it? Uh, first year, 1,700, 1700 people. Um, oh, so we were really happy. We were in the time period that we had. We were delighted with that. Um, yeah. and it doubled the next year yeah okay and so and then yeah what tell us what it was it was the combination of a festival and snow sports kind of put, put together absolutely so we wanted to we wanted to take an amazing ski holiday and put, and build a soundtrack and an experience uh and an experience around it so we uh we partnered with people like abitha rocks to host a main stage we partnered with people uh with people like uh, Rinse FM, hospitality, um, and and built this amazing production around a a, a great resort and a, a really great ski holder. Yeah, nice. And and run us through that. How long did that last? Then how long did you run that for? I was the festival director there until two thousand seventeen. Until two thousand seventeen, the festival still um, runs now. So mine and Lisa's business partner will. Um, runs the runs the festival with great success. This year will be the biggest. This year will be the biggest year yet. Um, around ten thousand people. Around ten thousand people, um, and it's grown in in more ways than we could have in more ways than we could have imagined. Um, but I was there for I I I was there for two thousand fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and and seventeen, and it was an amazing it was an amazing journey amazing journey for us. You know we we doubled in size um for the first for the first three for the first three years we grew it from being a pretty simple best festival product where you book your ticket with us and we put on the and we put on the events to being this all uh all comprehensive um travel product so we sold everything from budget ski hostels for kind of 10 10 bucks a night right through to luxury ski hot ski chalets for twenty five thousand euros a night we sold everything from paragliding to husky safaris 
we sold we were we sold packages group groups we built a whole business around adventure in the resort and snowmobile snowmobiling um activities so it it, it became a uh it it became an amazing amazing um business to be a part of with some great people yeah sounds good so you're not you're not involved in that anymore did you was that kind of did you sell did you sell that again or was are you still kind of part part of it invested in we're it? still we're still partners but we cannot take will and the team there have um have taken it to a to all new plate to all new places um over the last few years and are yeah. doing an incredible job nice nice um so where did you go from then so when you you, you sort of moved on from from rise what was what was the next step after that it was rise really that was the catalyst to us setting up to to us setting up and launch to us setting up and launching easel we were the more complex rise got as a product so selling all these different shapes of supply packages group tours transport from five different countries three different airports just in france various different types of accommodation that we just couldn't find an amazing platform to run our to to run our bit to run our business on and we had a whole bunch of pain points around this so one we were we were we ended up using five different systems so we had a wordpress website we had a system for accommodation a system for ticketing a system for a system for package a system for packages and a system for groups that meant that we just had no way of knowing when someone landed on the website actually what uh what our kind of cost per acquisition was what what the attribution point was we were completely blind really and we did our best to sit to stitch that together but it was me it was messy and that was incredibly frustrating and started to slow us down in in our growth we at the time were were also really frustrated by some of the different systems we used and the way they worked they we were growing at such a rate that we needed to to hold and put deposits down on the whole town for the year ahead constantly and those deposits were extending in millions of euros over a year in a over a year in advance but some of the different platforms we wanted to work with wanted to actually hold our revenue until closer to the event or at the time of the event so that really started to put the brakes on growth because we just couldn't hold enough accommodation couldn't hold enough lift passes. We we then we then ran into a whole bunch of problems around where we started to see accommodation sales drop off a cliff. Um, and it was as platforms like Airbnb, Booking.com, hotels grew rapidly in popularity in 2015-16. People just started booking direct. And we realized instantly it was because our booking journey just wasn't as good. And they had a decide they were coming with us, then really far down the process with us, they would be presented with some accommodation options. And that's just not how people wanted to book. They wanted to decide they were coming to this festival, go off and look at different places to stay, get a group together, book everything and commit. And we were losing out just because we didn't show people the options up front. And then, and then finally, the operations and the customer support of all of this complex booking became very pain became very painful uh for for us because the systems that we used would often want to manage some of the customer support themselves so we worked with different ticketing companies and things like that and they would want to, to manage the, the customer service and their their value proposition was look we charge this booking fee and we'll deliver customer support 
they couldn't deliver customer support because customers had questions like, hey, I'm a first-time skier. Um, I'm worried because I've got asthma about the distance from the hotel to the first ski lift and what altitude the ski lessons will take place on. They, they never, you know, no one, <laughs> there's only a very few people who could answer that question, right? Yeah. Um, so we became pretty frust- we became pretty frustrated with that um, and wanted to own the customer support and also kind of disagreed with the fees that these platforms were were charging. And after looking at a lot of options, we became completely convinced that building something ourselves, despite being totally counterintuitive, was actually the best uh, the best solution. And that's where we started Easel in two thousand and 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 seven in two thousand and seventeen, and mainly okay. sort of been full time and hundred percent focused on Easel since. Yeah. Okay. So when you when that time came and you were building it, was it? Did you decide there's a business here to be made that other people will will use, or was it just solving your own problem? How how was kind of what balance was it between just creating something that you could use for Rise versus like, all right, here's a business opportunity. I think both. We, 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 we definitely, we definitely started by solving our own, by solving our own, uh, our own need, our own need. But it was a very short period of time between that conversation and us realizing just how big of an opportunity um, this was to help other people build their business, to help other people build their, their business. And that was because the more people we spoke to when we were looking at solutions like, hey, if you work with X, what do you think of Y? Are you having this problem? How are you solving it? We were very quickly just getting the same feedback like, yeah, this is a nightmare. Um, and therefore, the 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 time from let's fix this for ourselves to, wow, this might be really exciting was very, very short. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so take us from that stage. You obviously, that's no small task. <laughs> so when, when you decided like, right, we're going to create this platform, run us through those first steps. Like what, what, how did you decide to go about it? Obviously at some point you got to the point where you did Y Combinator what was kind of the, the small steps in the beginning to getting started to the point of being like, right, we're going to go do Y Combinator. We've got something here to show. I think the smallest but most significant step was just committing to it um, and saying, you know, we're absolutely, going, we're absolutely going to do this. And that happened actually at Rise 2016. Um, so we, that was the, 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 the event where we sat down with our other partners and said, you know, we're, we're, we we're going to go and do we're going we're going to go and do this and they were incredibly supportive, obviously because we were fixing problems for for Rise first and foremost. Um, so we the first step was definitely just commit just committing to it. After that, it was a long and windy road for sure. Um, and I encourage anyone to go on that windy road when starting a when starting a, a business. We we took it we. Essentially, we essentially started building a. We start. We essentially started building a first version of the of the of the platform, and we we got lost along the way here. We we knew that we wanted to help creators sell experiences, <clears throat> and we ended up launching part of a marketplace. We ended up launching part of booking part of booking tools, and that that meant that that meant that 
we were spread really thin and we didn't have a clear we didn't have a clear route to what we were going to to bring we knew what we wanted to build to solve rises problems we we were then also building this kind of distribution channel through the marketplace and that meant that we spent probably a few months in the wrong in the wrong place in the wrong places but we decided to put on some of our own events on the platform as well at the same time and this really brought us back to our kind of true north so in 2017, we launched a event called Beyond Sahara, um, which it was a adventure travel music um, event in the Sahara Desert. So we took a few hundred people from Marrakesh to the Sahara Desert for a for a, a, a part party part adventure. And a year or two later, I forget, we launched another one, which was um, which was Beyond Archipelago in Sweden, and that was a a self-guided kayak trip to an island in the Swedish archipelago, in the Swedish archipelago, um, where we we and that was a crazy idea. It was a totally it was an island that had obviously uninhabited, no power, no facilities, and for a weekend we we built the infrastructure, um, put on a put on an amazing uh, an amazing event, one that I'll remember forever, but a lot of hard work. Um, but those events really brought us back to our true north of what we were of what we were built of what we were building. And throughout that period, the more creators that we were speaking to um, across all different um, amazing experience uh, types, so tour operators, yoga retreat providers, surf camp owners, cooking less cooking lessons, music festivals, we just kept getting a much better understanding of what of that often a lot of these people were having the same problems. And how we might be able, and how we might be able to and how we might be able to solve them, and the more refined that came, um, the clearer it, the clearer it became what easel was and and should and should be, and we were able to get to a really good first version by early twenty eight by early twenty eighteen. Okay, and and was that how did how did your team look at that point? Was that you? sat still in your living room kind of doing it yourself did you build a team out of people to support you how how would that be in 2017 there was myself my, myself lisa um our first uh our first engine our first engineer and our first engineers um and then we were we were quickly joined by um by the founding team josh jeff and kyle who are all still here um today and a huge part of easel success Okay, nice, nice. So, so you got it to a point where you thought, right, we've we've got something here. What what prompted that? Right, we're gonna to go to Y Combinator now. There's a there's a thing. How did that come about? Um, we and what and why as well? We knew. I think we we knew that the opportunity was enor was enorm was enormous we'd spoke to so many people across so many different uh, so many different verticals that we were getting more and more excited about how big this business might might be but also how big this um, movement was you know we were just meeting incredible people day after day who were incredibly talented you know mbas ex-bankers coming straight out of enormous consultancy roles and just saying, you know what, I thought I wanted to do that when I was at university, but I'm now going to build an experienced business because I'm really passionate about this, about this. And I want this, this is what I want in my, in, in my life. So we were getting more and more excited about what was like the idea for what easel could be, 
but also this movement that was happening that was um, that we were uh, that that we were a part that we were a part of, um, and we knew that in order to do that, we were going to need to move uh, incredibly fast, and we were going to need and we were going to need and we were going to need support. We um, we definitely initially found it hard to break into the technology uh, the technology world. Um, we thought that because we built successful businesses, we'd exited, we'd been on the board of a you know a, a company that's a PLC, and that we've worked with these amazing uh, brands that people would um, people would recognize would would recognize that. We definitely found that that wasn't the case, and that raising investment, you know, people were like, well, where did you go to university, and have you been uh, have you been head of product at any of these five companies that exist in Europe right uh, right now? And we and you know, there's a lot of people who um, who find different ways to different ways to to navigate to navigate that, and there's lots of ways to navigate to navigate that. And I'm not even sure if that's the case now, but at the time we definitely felt it was uh, it was it it was new for us, and. Obviously, Y Combinator is kind of is the gold stand is the gold standard in early stage in early stage accelerators. So mainly to talk about it, and we 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 decided to we decided to apply. We applied late, so we realized that the the deadline for the batch was up um, for the applications was up. We filled in the application, and what was really scary is we were really working on the on the application, and you know there's a lot of information online about how to hone your application. But whilst we were applying, we had no idea if um, they would just say that's it, you can't you can't submit it. So we we were, we wanted to really take our time on it, but equally we knew that at any moment it might it might close. So we we did the best job we we did the best job we could in the time that we felt we had on the on the application. We recorded the video in our apartment at about two o'clock in the morning, um, and we and we submitted it and we submitted it that that night, um, and then from there we uh, we heard from them a, a few weeks later that they would like a a video a video chat, which was a a brilliant call a brilliant call in that we prepared for it quite uh, we we prepared for it quite. Um, when we spent a day preparing for the call, the Y Combinator partner came on, asked one clarifying question about our application and said, brilliant, thanks very much. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> we were like, well, did that go well? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, better to be prepared. Better to be prepared. Than, Absolutely yeah, wouldn't change out. it. <laughs> so, and then when you got into it, for people who aren't aware of that process and what goes into it, give a, give us a quick overview of kind of when you when you're in and you're accepted, kind of how how does that play out? Um, well, it's a it's an amazing process. They at the time they flew you over to um, to Silicon Valley for an in person for an in, in person interview. For anyone who doesn't know, the interviews uh, quite famous in that it can be it can be tough. It's ten minutes long. Uh, it's ten minutes long, and there's three partners in the three partners in the room from the from from Y Combinator, and they they throw they throw questions at you thick and thick and fast, um, and even even though that sounds scary, it's a it's an amazing process to go through because it forces you to be very clear about your idea. It forces you to be very concise about 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 your idea, and actually. 
even if you're not planning to uh, planning to um, apply, I, I encourage anyone to complete their application form that's running a business. And it's a great way of getting out like this is genuinely what we're trying to do in a really first stage and a first stage business plan. Um, so we were accepted in the in the early part of May and we moved out to Silicon Valley about two weeks later. So we came, uh, we came, we flew back home, packed up our, packed up our bags and flew back out. And we lived there for, we lived there for six months in Palo Alto, in Palo, in Palo Alto, which is right in the heart of Silicon Valley. So 45 minutes drive from San Francisco. Um, and the program was phenomenal game changing, game changing for us. We were put around a incredible, an incredible team of partners. We, had dinner every Tuesday where there was amazing guest speakers brought in from the founder of, of Coinbase to the founders of Airbnb, um, which which were incredible incredibly exciting, um, incredibly exciting, but also inspi inspiring. And then we we worked with our group partners and our other batchmates um, to really hone our offer and spent that entire summer. Um, completely heads down, no distraction. We just worked on the business. We did less exercise than we less exercise than we should, and and that was that. And that was that. That was that summer. And that you know we we spent the whole summer really speaking to customers and hearing more about their problems and throwing in front of them what what our proposed solution what our proposed solutions um, were and just refining what we were. What, what, what we were building at an incredibly fast rate. Nice. And so you didn't get time to get out to Yosemite and go climbing and things? I didn't even see the Golden Gate Bridge in six months. Yeah. Um, not once. So I went every time I went into San Francisco for a meeting, it was too foggy. Um, so I never even saw the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, we, spent, it, we spent the entire summer in a double garage in the house that we rented with the, with the team. Um, but it was one of the best summers of my life, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Hey, the so you, so you come out of that. Obviously, I guess something that comes with that is a huge amount of kind of affirmation and positive reinforcement that you're on to a good thing. And you mentioned all the benefits that come in addition to kind of the funding that comes comes out of that. You've gone on to. Subsequently announced a couple of weeks ago, I think, about getting funding from from Notion Capital and, and having that support. T tell us a bit more about kind of the investment side of things. Like, how have you gone about that? Who do you think it's good for? Is it something you'd recommend to to everyone, or do you think there's specific use cases where it works and it doesn't work? How's you know, kind of what experiences have you gained from that? Um, sure. So I think the the most important, I think, the most important things I've le I've learned about that are that what we're building is really special. What we're building is really special, and therefore, being a part of that journey is, um, you know, is is incredible opportunity for any for for any uh, for any invest for any investors out for any investors out there, and I think repositioning repositioning that in my mind in my own mind was um 
was was really important. I think in the early part of a fundraise of of your fundraising journey, it's easy to it's easy to think that all of the all of the power lit, uh, sits with the with with the investors, and it really and it really doesn't if you're building something that's really important that's really important in the world. It's mutual. You know, you you're looking for great partners, and they're looking for great companies, and you know, finding that um, is what is what is what is what counts. I think when we're looking for a partner, we're looking for people who really share the long-term long-term vision for the long-term vision for the business, and that we can see ourselves working with for uh, for the next for the next decade. Notion for us, we're a we're a home run. We we weren't taking any investment pre pre COVID and pre the pan, and pre the pandemic. The business was growing fifty percent month over month, and the pandemic hit and we went from we went from profitable to zero revenue in less than 14 days um so you know and i'm sure that's the case for many people uh for you know for for many people that's definitely not a unique story but our experience of that was was okay well what are our what are our options what are our options here um we we felt very strongly that we did not want to pivot the business and we didn't want to change the direction that the business was um, was going in. We knew that the other side of this pandemic, whilst some things may change, did people still want to go and travel? Yes. Did people still want to have new experiences? And if anything, was the hunger for those experiences going to be elevated to an all-time to an all-time high and we felt really strong we felt really strongly about that so we made the decision not to not to change direction but to use the time to build a better to build a better business and to fix some of the things that we knew we needed to invest we knew we needed to invest in so at that point we knew we was um we we decided to to raise invest we decided to raise investment and you know, some people said, man, you're crazy. Like, who, no one's going to invest right now. No one's going to invest right now. Like, you you want to be focusing your time on on um, on making sure that you guys come out, you, you guys come out of this. And we, of course, did that. But we felt very confident that we had proven how big of an opportunity this business could be, that we had an amazing team and that we 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 should um, we should we should open around. So we opened the we op we opened the round, and for sure there were some people that loved the business but were terrified of travel and when would the pandemic end and you know just couldn't just couldn't get themselves comfortable. And then there were you know there were a lot of others who who agreed with our with our point, and those that those that agreed with us, we knew that those were the going those guys were going to be great partners long term that were ready to get in the trenches because of the time they were investing and and notion um chris stephen cam and the team and the team there um really showed that and they've been amazing partners uh amazing partners for us since yeah fantastic i've got a, i read the an out kind of announcement blog post article that chris topman from from notion yeah. wrote um and he said, kind of when he was covering the why did I invest, he said, I've thought about this a lot and I think it stems from the founders and the deep insight they have about the people and the market they serve, as well as the years that they've got on the clock in building experiences themselves and now delivering the tooling for an entire passion-driven sector in experience commerce. It's all about the mission they're on. 
tell us a bit about the mission that you're on. We've kind of obviously touched upon it in terms of what you want ESOL to be, but give us a you know gives it gives a bit more of a pricey of, of what that is. Sure thing. So, you know, we want we want to give experience create experience creators their own their own platform, which puts all of the control and power in their hand. Right now, experience creators are, you know, we see it as being the best job in the world. You get to create an experience based on what you're passionate about, share it, share it with the world, uh, share it with the world and, you know, have a really big impact on a lot of people's lives. So we want to, we want to power those people. And the, you know, right now they're, they're constrained. They are either utilizing third party marketplaces and selling through third parties and that that means that they're essentially renting their customers. And at any point, those people can just say, no, we're refunding your customers. You don't have any income or no, we're changing our terms. And this is our new deal. They're using the wrong tools. So they're using things like WordPress or Squarespace, which are brilliant platforms, but they're built fundamentally for selling things. They're built for selling t-shirts, shirts, cups, not for selling experiences, which require days, nights, hours, payment plans, guests, arrival details, they don't understand that. And then often they're having to join all these different tools, uh, all these different tools to, together to solve that problem. So they're relying on two or three different, um, two or three different services, which is expensive, and then means that they don't deliver an amazing customer journey, which means that their customers book elsewhere because the customer doesn't care. They want to just spend they're spending a thousand dollars online. They want the best experience they can get. They they want the best experience um, online they can get for that. So we want to give experience creators a platform that gives them total control and gives them the same type of technology that billion dollar businesses are are running on. So we want to give the independent business the same capabilities as some of the largest businesses in 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 the world. And we're really, you know, we're really excited about that. Yeah, nice. In that same interview, uh, I think it, it, Chris quoted you talking about the experience economy boom. Tell, tell us what you mean by that and why why you think that's a thing. What I mean by what I mean by what I what I mean by that is, I think the way that we travel has changed. Has, has the way that we travel has changed. We used to, uh, first of all, we're the first generation, and you, this is proven by the last year, right? Like we're the, the, the first generation where travel is not any longer a luxury, it's an entitlement. It's like, it's not, are you going on holiday this year or are you going to A, B or C this year? It's what are you going to this year? Like we expect to go and we expect to explore the, the uh, we expect to explore the world. But that's changed from ticking off destinations to I've been to South America, I've been to North America, I've been A, B and C to have you been to X experience? And we see that as experience first travel. So whether the primary decision-making factor in the trip is the, exper is the, is the experience. And that's what's really fueling this, this huge, huge growth in the experience economy, this desire for new experiences and where experience is the primary decision-making factor. I wanna go on a yoga retreat. I wanna feel refreshed and rejuvenated after that retreat, where that is, is a secondary is, is a second is a secondary decision, but on the other side of that, we've got this generation. So you know, as consumers, we've got this this thirst for new experiences. We are the first generation to be able to travel pretty much at will, pretty much at will, and have great expectations around that. 
And then on the other side, we've got, we're a generation which has grown up with people launching Kickstarter campaigns, people launching pop-up shops, launching a Shopify, launching a Shopify store. So we've got this huge amount, like we've got this huge culture of entrepreneurialism. Um, we've grown up literally with shows like The Apprentice and Dragons and Dragons Den, and Shark Tank in the U.S. So we've got this huge culture of entrepreneurialism. So meeting the demand is this whole new wave of entrepreneurs. And I mentioned some of these people earlier, but you know, just amazing people with incredible backgrounds who are incredibly capable but just decide they want to live a different life. And that doesn't mean that they want to run a, a lifestyle business. Some of their businesses grow to be very, very large, but it's very important to them that they that they build a life full of purpose and passion. And they do that by building a business and sharing their their, their passions with, um, with others. You know, we've got amazing examples of it on the platform. And every time we, we meet a new creator, I love hearing about their, their stories, but, People like one of the first creators on the platform, Theo, um, who's now a really good friend of, of mine, but also the businesses. And Theo runs a company called Love Trails. Theo used to run uh, conferences. So he used to run green energy green energy conference conferences, but was an incredibly passionate trail runner and decided to, to, to launch a trail running and music festival, Love Trails, in Wales. It's now grown to... to a, a full-time a full-time team of four i believe at the last count they are running a festival in wales which is now thousands of people attending every year they run a series of summer camps up and down the uk they have a new european destination launching they run an a, a event in the faroe island in the faroe islands with with a global attendance they are the pioneers and founders of a movement called Global Trail Running Day, where they introduce people to um, to trail to trail running globally. They run a online course for for trail for trail for trail running runners and community, and it's just an amazing business built on this passion and per passion and purpose. And watching that go from from Theo from from Theo and Rich running this business, uh, this small festival in Wales, to what it's become today, you know, incredibly privileged to be a little part of that journey, and that's why we believe it's, a, you know, that's why we believe so strongly that it's a thing. A thing. Yeah, nice. We we uh, I've spoken to Nick Kilshaw from uh, Impact Marathon as well um, for the for yeah. the podcast, and obviously he's he's kind of been uh, you know with with Esol as well, and uh, again, like you say, doing amazing things, and you know it's. When you speak to people like that, the last thing they want to be doing is faffing around with tech, and uh, you know they've got the ideas and they want to implement the implement the things. And, and Nick's do great. The, do the thing no, Nick's ama Nick's amazing. What Impact Marathon are doing? I'm hoping to do my first this year. Um, but the and but that's exactly it, and that's how we think about so what problem we're solving is how do we how do we remove all of the and automate all of the low value tasks people who come to people who come to easel even some very large businesses often spend time updating their updating their website making a bit of artwork to say that there's a discount on a certain trip or experience tens of hours a week chasing people to pay a balance or provide information on diary requirements and with easel we automate all of that and you know, my belief is that the 
the the creators should be spending time either marketing and selling the experience or building new amazing experiences and operate and operating them and that's like the really high value tasks that only they can do they can you know it's only them who can create these amazing experiences and it's only them and their teams that can go out there and 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 drive and and drive mark and drive marketing but so much of their time was being lost previously to 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 day-to-day admin and tasks that they could spend 30 hours a week doing that feel like they've worked really hard that week but none of that's really contributed to to uh, whilst very important it's not contributed to the growth yeah 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 fantastic the it's clear that you have grown a variety of businesses kind of through you know through your through your career tell I'd like to dig into the marketing side of things a little bit more and, and to kind of some of the things you've seen the most success from and, and, and to start with kind of looking at, looking at branding. So I know like Lisa's kind of expertise is, is, is in that area. Do you have any kind of recommendations, suggestions for building a strong, building a strong brand from kind of from the get go or what kind of what you believe goes into building a strong brand? Well, I'm really fortunate in that uh, Lisa, my co-founder, is a genius, uh, is a genius here and is the best I know. So I couldn't be more fortunate in terms of who we work, in terms of who I work with on, on that. And I've learned a hell of a lot from Lisa about this over the over the years. I think for me, it's about the the key is about knowing For, I think for me and certainly from my from my experience, our brand our brand is all you know we our values are about being creative first. Every decision we make is for every decision we make is for the people on the platform, and we do we put them first in every inst in every instance, and that's incredibly important. That's incredibly important to us. And in most meetings that we have about product about where we're taking the business that's something which we that's something which we discuss and that very much comes um it because that's our overarching you know one of our top values that's very much then brought life in in our brand in our brand it's not um you know we we like to see ourselves as a as a guide and we like to see ourselves as a as a support that's why we're called easel the the, the platform in which a creator can can put their can put their can put their work, so you know that value about us being the guide and the support has really came to life in 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 our brand and how we tell our story and how we talk about what we and how we talk about what we what we do what we do, so yeah I think for me it's about really tying it back to our really tying it back to our purpose being very authentic about that knowing as much about who we are as who we're not, um, and. And, and not being ashamed and not being ashamed of saying what we're not. And it, it it's interesting because there are a lot of people who, when you talk about brand, would say, oh, yeah, my logo is like this or, you know, these are my colors or something like that. But you haven't mentioned any of those things there. You've, it's, it's values and the things that are at the heart of it. And then, I guess, as you said, subsequently, other things come off the back of that. A hundred percent. Our brand is how we, how when a creator comes to us and says, Hey, I've got a big problem. It's how we respond. Um, it's when a creator comes to us and says, Hey, um, 
the platform does A, B, and C, but I need it to do X, Y, and Z. It's how we deal with that and how we and how we respond. And you know, our response is that we're we're a great partner that that we roll up our sleeves and we get in and we get in to help to help them because that is what the platform and what the business is here and, and what the business is here to 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 do for sure. And and do you have any advice on how to come up with those values? I guess in a lot of instances it might just be like they they feel you just know what they are. Did you go through a process to kind of think, right, let's sit down and have a whiteboard and kind of go through various things to work out like what, what are our values or did it just feel like, right, we've had a certain amount of years where we've developed this business and we can look back and we can say we've realized that these various things are important to us? I think we always we always knew um we always we always held those beliefs and we always behaved in that way which ultimately drove the which ultimately drove that value specific that value specifically but i think what really helped us hone it is when you get it wrong um so when we when we've gone wrong we've said like oh we've really landed you know we've really landed badly here why what have we done what have what what have we what have we done wrong and by analyzing it when it's land when something we've done with good intentions always has landed badly um, that allowed us to refine our values much faster than a a, a whiteboard, you know, a, a whiteboard session or a let's, you know, a, a forced session. But actually, really getting into our mistakes has really helped. It really helped us to to arrive at that for sure. Do you, Do you have an example of a time like that? Oh, <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, I think we. Um, a good example would be the mark uh, would be the marketplace actually right so we tried to launch a we tried to run a marketplace alongside building the booking tools now that in theory sounds like a great idea but what it did is uh, you know we're working with all these amazing creators let's put all of their supply and you know all of their amazing trips in one place together and let them sell sell more it sounds really well intended it sounds really well intended the reality of that is that as soon as we become the as soon as we become the marketplace we then have a responsibility directly to uh the the end the end customer and therefore they're our the, the the booker becomes our customer and we have a relationship with them now that puts us at complete odds to the to perhaps the creator's own um to our duty to the creator right so you know, a, 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 there was a lot of um, at the start of the pandemic, Airbnb got this wrong, um, and Airbnb refunded in full everybody who booked on the platform because their responsibility was to their customers, right? But of course, that left thousands of hosts without income at a time when they needed income at a time when they when when they needed income most. So the marketplace was a great example. We found ourselves, you know, trying to do something with great intentions, but ultimately, because it changed our relationship and our dynamic with the people on our platform, it um, it put us at odds against being creator first. And we very well might bring the idea of a marketplace back, but when we do, it would be with creators running it, and it would be their marketplace, certainly not easels. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Oh, on the I guess the more creative side 
of a, of the brand. You 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 obviously went through a rebrand from being Fixers initially to to Esol. Yeah. Where? What prompted that? Why did you decide to do that? And then so there's obviously like the name part of it, and then I, I guess tying into delving into the like look and feel of of the brand and and that kind of thing. Yeah, what was the what was the motivation behind behind doing that? And again, like, were there particular steps that you went through to make sure you did it right? That you know, if someone's listening and thinking, oh, I can see a rebrand, then you know, we could we could help them. I think my advice there would be to be very very deliberate um, with when you choose to with when you choose to do it. We we were we were we were previously called Fixers, and we came up with the name before we'd really established what we were. Uh, what we were what we were building and very early in the journey and we knew probably for the last two years that it wasn't the right name and that we it wasn't the right visual uh visual identity but it was not the right time for us to invest in that area and for us to um distract ourselves with um with 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 rebranding it would have it would have been at the cost of servicing our creators in the way that we wanted to, in the way that we, we expected to. So we, we, we put it off and put it off. When the, when the, uh, when the pandemic hit and, you know, in March, we, we said, right, like now is the, uh, the ideal time for us to, to, for us to rebrand. We can, we can afford to make the investment right now in time, in, in time. So firstly, I'd say be very deliberate about when you do it, when you do it and know that it's the right time for the, for the, for the business. Secondly, um, and this is Lisa's um, this is Lisa's um, thought process, um, which I very much believe in, is that we want our platform to feel uh, to feel as much like a piece of artwork as a piece of software. People use our software all day, every day to run their biz to run their business, but their business is also part of their life, and you know they they therefore it should be a place which is inspiring. And it should be a place, and it should be a place which you really enjoy um, signing into every signing into every day, and that's really what we took into the branding process. We wanted to we wanted to build a brand that was inspiring, that was a a fun brand to interact with, that genuinely um, told our creators stories um, because we've worked with so many amazing businesses and people. That we wanted to represent them and and to te- and to help tell the and to help tell the and to help tell the story. Yeah, I th- I think the going back to what you were saying earlier about the you know starting the journey like the long and winding road, but the advice that you, you gave was to just start that start on a long road. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I think a lot of the, the 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 big obstacle that people often have and kind of mess around with for a long time is oh yeah, what should it be called or what should the, the, the colors be or what should the logo be and i have a strong i have a strong belief and i think you're 100 right tom is once you start amazing things happen and if you never start you're guaranteed nothing will ever happen so once you start you know and you put it put something out into the world and start talking to people about it um the places that that will take you can be completely unexpected and maybe twice a year something incredibly lucky happens to you and you know for sure lots of decisions up until that point um will create that luck but just by starting um you're you know you're 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 guaranteed to for 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 to start an amazing journey 
to start an amazing journey. If you don't, you won't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to re-emphasize, that's the, you know, the, there is no reason why further down the line, you can't then put more effort and time and things into like, oh no, we've, we, the, the name has come to me now and we want to change it. Or the, yeah, suddenly I know what my brand is and I've got to hone it. It's like, yeah, it's never too late. You can easily do, yeah, you can change it. Yeah. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the the things we talk about a lot with that with our team and internally today as well is it's never too late. It's like, hey, this is wrong. Okay, let's change it. You know, um, we don't have to live with anything. We don't have to live with any a, a, anything. It's never too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty. I imagine this is something you 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 do, and I guess it's being drilled in for you for, from some of your experiences from Silicon Valley and things like that. But that kind of iterative process of not feeling like it's like, oh, you've got to have a build-up and then do a big, massive thing. It's like you just keep chipping away and making improvements and, yeah, kind but, of tweaking uh, things that way. Definitely. And, and again, being really deliberate. If you know that, you know, asking, is this, if I'm wrong, how easy is it to reverse? Um, uh, <laughs> and knowing, you know, knowing the answer to that. And I think that, that's advice which I read or, or was given at, at some point. And actually, when I when I run that test, I quickly find out that most of the time, it's the answer is not very hard. You know, very few things are very few things are permanent. Yeah, yeah, it, that's an interesting point you raised there. So, just as a quick kind of tangent on that, is there anything else? Is there any other kind of key lessons you would say you've learned? You've obviously spent time with some very, very clever, very successful people from you know whether it's over being at YC or Notion or, or you know the, the other journeys that you've been on. Are there any kind of sort of headline learnings as well like that that, you've, that, you, that you live by that you've, that you've taken away? I think the things which are really the things which are really important to me, uh, really important to to me, are really knowing what's important at the time, really knowing what's important at the at the time. And getting uncom- getting comfortable with ignoring some problems in with ignoring some problems in in the in the business. So you know, at, when we're we're building a really big we're building a really big product and we're servicing and um, and working with a lot of people that that can put us in a position where there's. Um, where there's like many challenges at any one at any one time and being able to really focus on like what the most important what the most important challenge um is has certainly been one of our um one of our biggest one of our biggest learnings and early we used to spread ourselves very 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 thin and communicating really well with uh, both our team but also our creators and people on the platform like we're aware of we're aware that you know maybe this feature should do a b and c but Right now, we're putting our time here because we think that's more important to you. Do you agree? Um, and making people part of that conversation has been critical to our to our to our success to date. Um, owning our mistakes um, is um, incredibly important. So internally, we have a um, a mistake log, um, and we celebrate them. So you know, we everyone in the company has a hell of a lot of responsibility. And with that comes, yes, yeah, sometimes things don't go to things don't go to plan. So we we have an internal mistake log, which are we we post and we celebrate we celebrate them, and then we talk about them and make sure that they you know they don't happen we don't they don't happen again, and we work out what we can do to make sure that that's the to make sure that that's the case. And that's been an incredible um, that's been an incredible process that we that 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 we love. Um, 
I think the 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 other thing which I think is really which is really important is um, is to be really transparent about how you're thinking and um, and the principles which are guiding your uh, which are guiding your decisions. So at every step, never I we we try really hard internal in in the company never to to say hey this is the decision. Um, we try to say hey this is the this is the decision. And this is how we got to it. And this is what I'm thinking about at the moment. And this is what I'm thinking about at the moment. Um, because we're making so many decisions at such a fast pace, that means if we need to, if we change, it's uh, it's very easy to explain like, hey, our thinking, this has changed and our thinking therefore has changed. And this is why we're now going in a in a slightly different, in a slightly different direction. Um, I could probably talk about this all day though. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, it's amazing. Listen, we'll, uh, I could I could listen to it. There's, there's great stuff in there. The, the mistake log, is a very, I've scribbled that down to think, oh yeah, I like the sound of that. So can you just give us just a bit more detail on that and how, so what is the structure for that? Where does it get written down? How do you celebrate it? How do you come together and, and talk through those things? So we're obviously all now remote. So we use Slack um, and we have a, we have a, we have a, a bot on Slack. So if you, uh, if you've made a, if you've, if you've made a mistake or feel the company has made a, a, a mistake, um, we we jump into the channel um, and and the the channel very jokingly is called "fucked it" and you <laughs> and it's very tongue in cheek. Um, but the the content serious and it's what's happened, how did happen, what's happened, how did it happen, how do we suggest we prevent it, how do we suggest we prevent it again, and who needs to be part of the debrief of. Um, uh, conversation on this that's posted publicly to the to the to the entire team and that's logged separately in a in a in a rolling document we then pick it up in a in a in a in a retro and we celebrate it because no one ever gets in trouble trouble right it's never you know um it's nobody nobody ever gets uh, gets wrong for posting for po for posting in there so it's a it's a safe space for us to say hey like this has happened, and I think we could have done. I think we could have done better, um, and that allows us to to improve at an amazing rate. Yeah, yeah, love that, love that. Um, so, so, just to swing it back round to the kind of marketing side of things again, obviously one of the things you've done a lot of, and I guess it, it's been caught. It's been the thing that you've done. It's been the product as well in like events sort of some yeah. shape or form. But I guess that also can kind of be a marketing tool as well. So have you got kind of that combination of those two things? Have you got any recommendations for how to use events in that way or how to kind of market, how you've gone about marketing the events successfully? What what things have you done to kind of fill, you know, fill, get bums on seats and, and things like that when you've done them? My, my kind of philosophy on, on, on marketing and the question which I put to anyone when they've got an experience to sell, a trip to sell, uh, a hotel to fill is what have you genuinely done today that's going to make uh, that's going to make a sale? And that question cuts through that question cuts through a lot because and we use this inter we use this internally for different projects as well, but it's very easy to get tied up with um with um with with jobs which don't have the impact that you are that you are optimizing for, so it's like, hey, what have you done today that's going to make a sale? I've posted on Instagram. Cool. Do you think that's going to sell anything? 
Um, oh, actually, no, we've never sold anything through Instagram. Okay, then what have we done today that's going to make a sale? Because Instagram's not working. Um, so I think really getting our, uh, really for me, my experience has been getting myself, getting our team, getting to understand like, is the action I'm taking achieving the desire? Is the action I'm taking to achieving the desired outcome? Um, or is it a just something else that we do as part of a wider plan? And that's fine, and it's got its place. But if it's if sales are the objective, is the actions I'm taking having the desired outcome, and do I expect that it will continue to deliver? Is a really important thing that we uh, that we that we that we talk about. And what that often leads to is a is a more um, is a more intentional strategy around uh, is a more intentional strategy around sales. And I'm a huge fan of finding free free marketing tactics that you can scale that you can scale up. So great example would be um, if you are selling a um, a retreat for entrepreneurs um you know it's really you know it's really easy to to set up the facebook ads and maybe do some paid for advertising on 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 google and those are great things to do but what what else can what else can you do and you know i love these kind of brain um like ideation meetings where you can say right i'm gonna go to every co-working space in in london which of which there are tens and I'm going to offer them their community 10% off and I can email directly the community manager. I can ask them directly to invite me to their Slack channel. I can, um, I can then share this off. I can then share this offer um, or I can go in and give a talk and for 15 minutes at one of their coffee mornings about what our, what our, what our retreat is and why it's really important for entrepreneurs. And I'm a big fan of, of that type of, grassroots uh grassroots marketing um and think once you start once you start layering in that type of um of marketing with paid performance with uh with more top line with more top line the results you get can be incredible but you can also build something that's very repeatable very predictable yeah there's um the thought and time of going into thinking about who your audience is and then where they're hanging out is such an important one that I think people overlook. They sort of dive into the channel and it's a bit like you're saying, like when do people lead their travels with experience or with destination? I would say it's kind of a similar thing with marketing where people often dive into thinking, should I do Facebook advertising or should I do PPC or should I do SEO or things like that? And it's really, that's not the question. The question is, who's your audience and where are they and go there. That's, and that's absolutely. And how many of them do you need? You know, like how many, what is the, you know, maybe the retreat, maybe you're running a retreat and it's for 30 and it's for 30 people write down the list of 30 people who, you know, who should genuinely be attending this retreat. Um, and then ask them who they know who should be coming, you know? And mm. I think taking these kind of really grassroots approach approaches, even for some of the biggest businesses can be incredibly success, can be incredibly successful. Um, and it, and it, and it forces you to be out there having amazing conversations. And once you start that, where that goes can, um, can be anyone's guess. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, you've mentioned the team a few times and some really interesting little, little nuggets. So I'd love to dive into that a little bit more with you. Can, can you give me 
uh, give us a bit of a view of like what the team looks like now. How's how, yeah? How many people are in there? What kind of structure do you do you have? How have you how have you grown that out? Sure thing. So we are a a small and formidable uh, a small and formidable team. So we're around fifteen people full time now today. Um, we are we are predominantly an engineering first company. So the majority of the team is in product and and engineering. Where you know we are building a we're building a we're building a a, plat, a platform. We we hire um, very much we hire very much based on potential of people. Um, so whilst experience is incredibly important, experience is incredibly important. Um, a pedigree or training is incredibly important. We also are big mainly sort of big believers in uh, in raw in raw potential, and the rate that our business is growing at the you know we need people who can join at a certain point but then grow as fast as the company and that's incredibly incredibly rare so potential is one of our most important um is one of our most important important assets and that we that that we look for how do you go about identifying that in the hiring process so we we built a really interesting process for hire we built a really interesting process for hiring our hiring process is heavy we spend a lot of time with people when they're looking to join the company, and we that's very deli- that's very deliberate. Um, we we know that we are going to be building this company for a very long time. We expect people and hope that people want to join and stay for a very long time. Um, and with that means we're going to spend a hell of a lot of time together, and you know we're gonna we're gonna spend time you know good times, bad times, times in the trenches. So. We want to make sure that um, we want to make sure that it's the right place for them, and that we're uh, we're we're set up for success. So we, for every role, we we build a a list of um of criteria a list of criteria that's normally like fifteen to twenty five points, and then over a three or four uh, a three or four stage process, we score against the criteria and when people are successful and join the biz and and join the business and agree it's a good fit we share how they scored uh we think that's a really important part of the process so we share the scores um so that they know where we think they were incredibly strong and where we think they may they might be a, a risk but also where um why we hired them where we felt they were they were going to be really where they think we think they were going to be really uh, impactful um and that's been incredibly successful for us yeah, nice. And, and are there any particular qualities that you're looking for in that in that process? Is there is there anything that you see as a like you say in that kind of identifying potential? What bits do you pick out where you think yeah that's because it's such a hard it's obviously such a hard thing. There's a reason the recruitment business is such a <laughs> industry is such a big one. Like it's incredibly hard to pick those things out. Yeah, are there any nuggets of, of of kind of how you draw on that. I think what's really important for what's really important for us is we want what we what we what we're doing is uh, is an amazing op, is an amazing opportunity. You know, it deserves to have the best people around it to 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 support the creators around the the world who are using the platform and will go on to use the platform. And but what we're doing is. Um, it requires uh, it requires a mindset of okay this that shouldn't be possible with the resource we have today 
how are we gonna how are we gonna do it? So this really unique problem solving attitude of wow, I'm a little bit afraid of this, but and it shouldn't be possible, but we're gonna figure that out. Um, and that's probably one of the key values we're looking at for anyone, whether or not that be support, because you know, how do we someone's got a problem? Okay, um, I don't know how to do that, but I'll go and learn and I will find out. So like this kind of real problem solving attitude. And then we we talk about people being like um, Navy SEALs, um, which is this kind of T-shaped person, which for us, we like people who've got a deep specialization um, in their subject matter, but can equally, like a Navy SEAL, mix it up in different departments when they need to. So, hey, like we're, we're overwhelmed in A today. Can you jump in and can you, and can you help? And we find that creates a really magic um, environment where you end up with solutions you didn't expect to. Um, you know, so having this kind of unique problem solving, this Navy SEAL mindset of being able to jump into different, uh, jump into different areas of the business and feel comfortable there. And then the final point I think is probably that we really, we, we admire people who are, who are, who are learning machines, um, and who, who take a, a pride in learning, um, anything in learning anything new and that's something which both me and Lisa um both me and Lisa um really pride ourselves really pride ourselves on and thrive um with but we we think that's a really important part of our of, of our business and anyone who joins they run an experience on the platform which has been an incredible process for us so whether or not you are an engine whether or not you're you are an engineer or a market a marketer um part of our experience experts team who worked on board new creators the, the first two weeks are spent setting up a business, putting it on sale on the platform, marketing it um, both to us, but also external externally, selling it, running the P&L, um, and then actually operating the, the, experience, the, the experience. And, you know, th those are incredibly fun to get to know new team members, but um, are, are also incredible, an incredible opportunity for the team. Yeah. Yeah, like it, the the learning side of things, you know, is a massive kind of value for for us as well. Um, and like you say, I think if you again, when you are that kind of smaller, compact team, you need you need people to drive their own development and, and things, don't you? To um, you know, to, to 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 get the amazing things done that you want to do as without needing to you know micromanage all the different. A hundred percent, and they push the company. Yeah, they make yeah, us better. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, 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 with this kind of tying to leadership, then you've obviously um, led led the business into very you know very exciting places. Have you got any sort of tips and tricks, advice on you know kind of how you've got, how you've gone about that? Any anything that you've got, in, any kind of processes you have in place that that help you as a leader? Kind of push the business forward. I think I'm always very con I'm conscious about this because I'm conscious about taking other people's uh, advice and trying to uh, and saying, well, it worked for them. It, it it'll work for it'll work for me because I think what's been successful for what's been successful for us to date has been being really being really true to who we are, being really true to who we are, and being you know being. Um, authentic um both externally and in and and internally and i think often that comes with i think the key thing there that's been successful for us is often that comes with some vulnerability 
and you know saying to the team like hey i i i we're trying uh, i don't think this is going well and it's me it's me right like i'm the one who leads on this um what do you think would work better what do you think would work what do you think would work better here um so i think in answer to in answer to your question i think you've got to be authentic to authentic to yourself and i think involving the team in the problems and being comfortable with saying when you think something that you're doing could be better um will is one of the key things that's been really um is one of the key things that's been really successful for us. Just because my job title CEO doesn't mean that everything that lands on my plate, I've seen before and understand how to do quite the opposite, in fact. So if I was to get it all right all the time, you know, I'm never going to get it all right all the time. So being able to have that conversation and ask for help and say, I don't, you know, I, I'm not sure how to deal with this is number one, being really transparent. So, you know, I think, in in other businesses things like the board meeting might be a big secret and it's kind of like we've got the board meeting and in our business the the team all contribute to the board deck and post board meeting i give everyone a run through of hey this is the board deck and this is what was discussed what do you all feel about what do you all what do you all feel uh about it so being like very transparent has led to us delivering great um delivering great results but also making um the whole the whole team part of the part of the 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 challenge the challenges um and i think the the other area where 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 i feel we've been successful where i feel we've been successful it is really learning to manage on outcome not on tasks so if you hire amazing people and you um and then you give them jobs to do so like hey go and do uh, go and run facebook ads for acquisition hey go and um go and build this feature um they will do it um but if you say to them hey we want to we want to tell the world about us and let amazing businesses know that we're here to help them um or Hey, we want to launch a new payment plan. We want to launch payment plans. Um, the reason we think we want to launch payment plans is customers want to be able to pay off large balances over a period of time. Can you go and figure out the best way to do it? The results we get are 10x better. Um, we deliver it faster and the team enjoy it and the team enjoy it more. So I think learning to manage on outcome and not on um not on not on a task has been has been a big has been a big part of our success. Yeah. When do you have any kind of habits or approaches for going about the like bigger thinking for the for the business? Yeah. How how do you if you kind of get because obviously getting out of the weeds is an important thing to do to see the bigger picture. Is there anything you do to kind of actively help help yourself do that? I think. I think being um it's a great question it's a great question. I think I work best I operate best with um where, when I have lots of when I have lots of uh data and lots of reference points. And when I say data I don't mean spreadsheets and numbers. I actually mean um anecdotal a lot of the time a lot of the time. So hey, X 
creator um this business just told me this or we're seeing this and isn't it really isn't it really interesting so i like to spend a lot of time um having conversations which other people might think are are, are not valuable are not valuable um and i think you know to new members of our team, sometimes they're like, why did Ben just spend 15 minutes at the start of that meeting talking about something that was totally not on the um, not on the agenda? And even though we were here to talk about this really specific thing, he just kept pulling on that thread and asking more questions. So I think being deliberate about just gathering all of that anecdotal information from the team, like what are engineering seeing? What are the product teams seeing? What is what is the what are our experienced experts? What's happening on boarding? every creator I speak to. So I, I try to I try to make a very conscious effort to 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 do that and to explain um that that's why I'm doing that's why I'm doing it. And then what I find is just sitting on 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 those um on those on those insights, coming up with a hypothesis and then validating it against real data or real um or or, or real um support by going out and testing it with um with the with with people on the platform for instance or people who aren't on the platform is how is how i've made the biggest leaps in the in the in the in in the business but really um immersing myself in every in every team and every department and having a genuine interest in everything that's going on and everyone in the in it that we come into contact with as a business and if I then need to go out and learn something to to understand all of these insights, making a really deliberate action to to do that. So you know, I have a list at any one time of things that I just don't know enough about, and I need to spend a Saturday or a Sunday or an evening just getting really deep on on a subject. Um, deep for me, um, not becoming a subject matter, but deep enough that I can apply what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. As as someone who is part of a husband and wife founder partnership <laughs> i can uh, yeah i'd love to just ask if you've got any tips uh, <laughs> on how to make how to make that work and get the right balance with it um and i guess in a in a slightly more serious way just you know do you have as it if it generally if, whether it's husband or wife or not kind of any recommendations for working with a you know a partner for people like who are co-founders and things like that that you found to be to be successful no, for sure. I think firstly, being mainly sort of met working together and have worked together for um, the majority of our careers. So that's a really unique, um, it's a really unique scenario and a really unique advantage. We know each other's, um, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. Um, we, we also are able to say pretty much anything to the other person because we, it comes from, um, because we have so much trust in each other um, uh, that if one of us says something like, hey, maybe you could have done this better or hey, you know, when you did Y, do you know that that probably didn't land as you expected? Um, it's it's an easy it's an easy it's an easy conversation. And that's an incredible foundation to build to to, to build from. So I think for me. I would encourage anyone with a with a new co-founder to spend as much time with them on the business as they are out of the of the business. You know, find something, um, find something in common outside of outside of work, and spend time doing it. Spend time doing it together, walking the gym, um, you know, whatever it might be. But have something which you know where you can just hang out and really build a relationship and really build a relationship. Um, 
outside of outside of work as well. I think that's really, really, um, really important. Um, me and I, uh, we love working together. Um, it means we're totally. It means we're totally. It means we're totally aligned on on both life and uh, on both life and work. And you know, we flip out of different modes. Sometimes one might need more support than the other, and sometimes one of us needs to pick up more at home. But that that kind of happens pretty pretty organically and pretty pretty natural pretty naturally. So I'd recommend it. Um, I'm sure it's not for everyone, and we've definitely had to come up with some kind of like. Hey, I'm off now. Like, you know, yeah. um, whoa, <laughs> um, I'm off, you know, I've, I'm, I'm off tonight and we've definitely had to learn how, learn how to do, how to do that. But it's amazing to be sharing this together for sure. Um, for other co-founders, I think the, um, the biggest bit of advice I've got and had, I was given this by, um, Lisa's dad, actually, who's, uh, George, who's an amazing, who's, uh, an amazing guy who's a, uh, a, a business coach. So we're very fortunate to have him, um, him on the team. But George said to us, you've got to get the fish on the table. And that means when there's a problem, you can't leave the fish, um, on the floor. You've got to like put it on the table and, and, and talk about it. And if you can get into a really good habit of doing that, um, things are much easier to deal with. And, you know, we were, we were guilty and, in our in our team in the early days and even between each other of not confronting challenge of not confronting challenges early enough and they would bubble up and become either more emotional or they would become um, more serious or the consequences would become bigger and just getting really good at saying like hey we need to talk about we need to we need to talk about uh, we need to talk about this, and I feel like this about um, something that's happening. Something that's happening um, has been um, obvious, uh, but hugely, huge, hugely impactful on on our company. Um, and it's something which I love because we hear our team saying it now, like, "Hey, um, I need to have a conversation. We need to get the fish on the table about this." And you're like, "Okay, great. You know, yeah, let's love it, do it." Love it. Yeah, I like the I like the phrase. I, I think having it as a you know a catchphrase kind of in that way makes it easier. So it is yeah. immediately it, it bring it makes it a bit lighter, doesn't it, to go and talk about it if you if you discuss it in that way. Um, listen, I, I could talk to you for hours, Ben. I, I think um, let, let's. I think we've got to kind of start bringing it bringing it into a close. But last couple of questions. First one of those: if, if you were speaking to someone who was thinking about starting a a travel business in, in some shape or form, whether it's an experienced creator, a, a tour operator, you know, a, a hotelier, whoever it might be, what would kind of be the you know the piece of advice that you would you would give to that person? You know, I think start. Um, so getting it on sale as fast as um, getting it on sale as fast as possible, um, because as soon as you're out there and it's on set and it's on sale you are you're learning and you're hearing what people think and you know before that moment people will say yeah i love the idea of this experience or yeah that seems like a fair price but you just don't know until it's on until it's out there and you know you're really trying to sell it and getting real um real feedback so start get it up and put it on and put it on sale accept that everything won't be finalized accept that everything won't be that everything won't be per that everything won't be perfect um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely say start, I would then say to, to find people and put as many people who are, um, maybe 
a step or two in their journey further ahead of you. Um, and and I see a lot of people make a mistake here where they, they get advice from people who are 10 years ahead of them. And that advice is really useful, but often they've forgotten um, what, what it was like in the first stages. And, you know, actually speaking to someone who's just maybe a year ago launched a new launched a similar business um, and ask, just be really upfront and ask for help. I think one of the, you know, one of the amazing things about the world we live in now is that we're all incredibly connected. Over the last year, we've proven that people can chat like this um, from anywhere in the world. And nine times out of 10, if you ask someone like, hey, I'm doing this, um, I'd love, you know, would you help? Most people have been offered, given help from someone before, you know, on their way and are more than happy to pass that, um, to, to pass on the benefit of, of that. So, yeah, just start, accept it won't be perfect and then get as much advice from really relevant people who are a little bit ahead of where you are um, and just be upfront and ask for help because people will give it. Yeah, really like that, really like that. Um so yeah, tell us tell us about the future plans for the business. And obviously, it, it sounds like you're in a fantastic place, and kind of the growth curve is is starting to kick off. When I spoke to Lisa, she mentioned you were thinking about launching a foundation as well alongside it. So gives a gives a little bit of information, kind of just yeah, what's kind of coming coming up in the next you know in the next twelve months or so. Sure. So no, right now we're 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 one hundred percent focused on building on building the on building out the tools feedback from creators and giving creators what they need to come out of what's been a really tough year um, in the strong in the strongest possible in the strongest possible position um, we're working with some amazing businesses and we just want to keep improving um, the the platform to help support their to help support their growth because whilst we're growing um, that's all fueled by amazing businesses that are growing just as fast. That are growing just as fast. So making sure that we deliver on what um, what what our proposition is is priority one. The foundation, something which me and Lisa are really excited about, and the team are incredibly excited and passionate about. I think it's interesting. Where it's really early for us to start a foundation, um, and you know. I've uh, again huge shout out to to Notion on this. You know, I think a lot of companies could go to their go to their lead investor and board um, at our stage with the proposal of a foundation, and 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 get you know slammed out of the room for it. We uh, we were met with kind of open arms and like let's do this. This is this is one hundred percent the right thing to 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 do. But the reason we're launching the foundation now is, and I'll come on and tell you a little bit about it, but is. We, we believe by starting early, um, like I just said, we are following our own advice and that by starting early, we'll find out where we can have the most positive impact in the world, but we'll grow it at the same rate as the business. And if we start now, where might it be in five years time? That's really exciting. So the, the, the foundation's got two core goals in the first instance. Um, the first is to, to match those who might not be able to go on experiences or travel or travel with amazing experiences free of charge. Um, we're incredibly, you know, we're incredibly fortunate. I grew up, I grew up going on these crazy advent, crazy adventures. Lisa grew up going on incredible family, uh, family holidays. And we, we recognize that experiences shape who we are, how we see the world 
and also how we might the opportunities that um we might uh we might might be presented to us often come from the experiences that we've that we've had and there are a lot of people in the world who just aren't as fortunate as um as we are and you know going on an experience would be a really premium um unobtainable um for 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 them so how do we match our amazing creators experiences with those who perhaps wouldn't have the opportunity um otherwise so we are we're launching objective one this year um with the goal with the goal of sending of set of sending 50 people on experiences that they otherwise uh that they otherwise wouldn't have um and then objective two is how do we help those uh how do we help others um create their own experience business and that's a longer term objective but we want to launch a accelerator of our own um which would have a global reach to help those um to help entrepreneurs globally launch experience businesses where they might not have previously had the resource the funding um or the support in order to make in order to make that happen um so it's something where yeah we're um, we're incredibly excited about and it's been amazing listening to our own community get behind it as well sounds sounds fantastic um listen i think that's as, as good a place to to bring it to a close um tell us where's the best place to to find you ben is it just is it just on the website what's the url of the website is it, and then do you have any other kind of closing thoughts or things you'd like to share with everyone who's listening no uh no clo- no closing thoughts other than you know really always happy to to talk to anyone who's building always happy to talk to anyone who's building something um you can find us at easel.com and my email is ben at easel.com and always happy to chat always happy to chat to anyone who's doing something um if i can help in any way reach out fantastic okay ben thanks so much for coming on it's been great to talk to you so many interesting things in there um yeah i'll put all the details and stuff in the in the show notes so people can find you uh looking forward to seeing how the foundation turns out and yeah following following how easel develops over there over the coming months and years so yeah thanks so much for coming on thanks tom take care bye you can stop scribbling now and give your arm a rest what a pleasure it was talking to them and finding out about the unique experiences that he's had and learning from the many things that he's already achieved I'm really excited for Easel and would highly recommend checking out what they're doing both on the website and on their various social channels. Go to easel.com, that's E-A-S-O-L.com for more information, where you'll also find links to the various social channels to follow what they're up to. And if you're an experienced business, I'm sure you'll find their platform extremely interesting, so certainly worth a look around. As Ben mentioned, his email is ben at easel.com. So if you want to get in touch with him directly, he was very kind to put that out to everyone to to get in touch and have a chat. If you go to seotravel.co.uk forward slash Ben hyphen Simpson, so that's B-E-N hyphen S-I-M-P-S-O-N for all the show notes and links to the various things that Ben mentioned there. You can also watch the video of the conversation and visit seotravel.co.uk forward slash podcasts for the other episodes where you can get lots of new insight too. We've had some great other guests so far to, uh, to listen to over there. If you're a travel company looking for marketing support from people who really care about your success, then please do get in touch. 
uh, seotravel.co.uk and we'd love to hear from you. You can also read more about our 100% initiative there, which outlines how we give all the profit we make from the business to educational charities, both at home and around the world. We'd love your support in spreading the word about that so we can help those charities as much as possible with what we're doing. If you enjoyed the show, it would be fantastic if you could review it on iTunes and share what your favourite bits were. Subscribe to it as well, and it would be fantastic if you could share it with at least one person who you think could benefit from the insight that Ben shared there. I'd love to hear from you and find out what you enjoyed so we can continue to bring more content like this your way and, yeah, make it as entertaining and helpful for you as possible. My email is tom, T-O-M, at seotravel.co.uk, so please do get in touch. If you haven't already, please do give our other episodes a listen. There's some great stuff in there, some really fantastic guests, and we've had lots of amazing stories from the people that we've spoken to. We've also got loads more great people coming up, so do stay tuned for future episodes. And when you subscribe, you'll get notified whenever we do release a new episode, so you can stay one step ahead of the game. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy travels. Happy travels.